Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Net Positive Podcast. A podcast which educates and inspires marketers, product managers, and companies in the best way to generate and optimize your flows. We're your hosts, Matt Brown and Jess Walker, and we will bring you the latest on how to improve your signup flow, increase your leads, and grow your business. Let's Let's jump jump in. in. On today's podcast, we are very excited to be speaking with the incredible Kate Murray, who gives us a great 10-year review of the evolution of marketing data and technology in the ANZ market. Her experience includes working for the DNC during the Obama campaign, working at Google, and generally being at the forefront of innovation in the digital space. Let's dive in. G'day, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. We are really excited to have you here today. We are massive fans at Upflowy of Full Story. So thank you for joining us. I'd love to hear about how you landed here because you've had an incredible career to date and Full Story is the latest uh, in that journey. Just tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So going back 10 years in the tech industry, I studied comms and business at Bonn Uni. Actually, my last semester, I was totally enthralled with the Barack Obama campaign and um, and found myself over in Washington, D.C., working in the DNC, Nancy Pelosi oh, campaign. Wow, what? That's so it cool. was incredible. I didn't read that on your LinkedIn. That's awesome. <laughs> that's just a quick tip. But from there, I really fell in love with the reason why people do do things, whether it's voting or the strategy that they take for those candidates. And I think that came really full circle in, in my career and why I've stayed tech vendor side for, for so long since. Awesome. So from there, I, I definitely came back to reality, realised that, that uh, the wild world of American politics wasn't <laughs> a good long-term fit. Um, and my first gig was at Nielsen. So set up in Sydney and was working on their new customer media view right. product. Okay. So it was a customer segmentation um, product that was built all on third-party data. Oh, wow. Crazy, if you think about it now. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, what you read, what you watched on TV determined the type of persona that you were. Gotcha. I actually found myself at, um, at Macquarie Bank doing a whiteboarding session about what there now is their home loan product. Um, basically mapping what customers they should go after based on this third-party data. Which That's amazing. Totally. For us, you know, working with PMs or what was now, what's now called PMs, but from there, I... Who, who knows what their title was back in the day. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was a really wild ride. And then it was fortunate enough to get tapped on the shoulder by Google, moved over there, really the mecca of advertising sales totally. as I thought it at, at the time. And um, then I really ran into so many colleagues and was enthralled by colleagues that were speaking about their startup experience, their, gotcha. whether it's their side hustles. The, the lure of startup. That, that is <laughs> it. And so a couple of my mentors jumped from Google over to AdRoll. Yep. And I was fortunate enough to follow. I was a part of that founding team and then just became utterly obsessed with, with founding teams, growing new regions for Silicon Valley tech platforms. Nice. And followed from there, so jumped into Tilium segment and now find myself at, at Full Story. There you go. What, what an incredible journey. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm still stumped on the Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Some people would dream to have been at any one of those companies and you've kind of had the dream role. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've been at the core of the adoption of, you know, multiple key evolutions of the marketing data tech in the ANZ market. So how have you seen it evolve from 10 years ago to now? I've been really fortunate to be at this precipice of each of these like big jumps in mm. the MarTech ecosystem. I mean, going back to Nielsen, thinking about, as, as we were just joking about, using third-party data to drive customer segmentation strategies. Yep. 
And then my role at Google was actually, I could only sell to customers who hadn't spent $1 on the Google ecosystem. So display, search, or YouTube. So no upsell, it was all new. It was all new. So if you think about the pool of brands today, that would be so minuscule. I don't even know whether that team still exists. (laughs) (laughs) But um, back in the day, that was, you know, actually surprisingly a really large chunk of customers were still spending above the line on mags and, and radio. So it was convincing them and, and speaking the gospel of digital to, to bring them over to the, the dark side. Um, but coming back to the introduction to startups, I, I really wanted to get into something more niche, something that was ROI driven um, and found myself, um, you know, really interested in retargeting, a deliberate approach that was built on ROI. Um, and that was a new concept at the time. So Jumped into AdRoll, really one of the, the market leaders and the founding platforms that, that spoke to that. And then I really realized that 90% of the customers we were calling on after a couple of years were, were already running retargeting platforms and it turned into a bit more of a competitive sell, which mm-hmm. wasn't really my jam. So then we fast forward and I was looking for the next kind of big thing and really ran headfirst into CDPs, so customer data platforms. Awesome. Really that model of being able to understand your customer, pick up breadcrumbs around that identity, whether it's in a known state or unknown state, and activate that downstream Mm. in a personalized way to ensure um, one-to-one messaging really caught my attention after coming from that advertising digital world. At what time period was that? Like how long ago did that start? Oh, gosh, probably like seven years ago now. Um, so really at the forefront um, of that that CDP world. You've really been through pioneering of customer data and you think all the way back to third-party data and, you know, now to, you know, segment and, and more recently full story. You know, where, where do you see the evolution of this going? Like what's what's kind of, what's on the forefront? What's next? I think the, the next jump is into leveraging ML and, and AI in next best decision models. So so using this wealth of data that we have around individuals to actually understand and and enable teams to to bring them the best offer. So this beautiful merge between product managers, design, customer support, all the way up to, you know, the C-suite speaking to business metrics of aligning customer needs to to business needs. I think that that's going to be the next big leap. Awesome. Um, but only for customers that have organized their data in a deliberate way are going to be able to leverage that. So it really paves to get the get the scaffolding right from the start. So, so how do you deal with that if, if you've kind of already got a bit of a mess? Like how, how, how are companies oh, solving for that? <laughs> yeah, the good old technical debt. Leaders have to stop and st- stop thinking about having a tick box approach to the MarTech mm. you know, landscape. And not, you know, hearing their CEO go to a conference and hear about experimentation or we don't have a CSTAT tool and actually think about what questions do we want to ask our data and start from the the basics um, and really allow that to drive what technology is necessary and what technology is that, that North Star aspirational side of things. Um, so I think that's a good starting place, but te- technical debt sometimes is, is just something that you, you have to draw a line in the sand and say we're, we're dedicated to understanding our customers yep. and data is the way that we're going to do it yep. and investing in that 
Yeah, it takes a brave leader to say, hey, we've been doing things wrong for a long time. There's a heap of te- mm. technical debt. Let's just stop, cut, and cut do something different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other point there is this um, trend in SaaS platforms that are moving in the direction of open APIs and best of breed. You're yeah. able to cherry pick the best of the best technologies mm. to build your tech stacks with. Yeah. I mean, looking at like Upflowy, for example, you guys are there in a niche moment that people are redesigning registration flows um, and zoning in on that. Um, Full story, for example, obviously wanting to pioneer this new space of customer experience analytics. Mm. It's able to plug in so many technologies of, you know, that's already capturing really Mm. rich, beautiful data about your customers, feed that in and be the platform where you gain context and, and answer why. Yeah, that's super interesting. And there's, well, over 7,000 marketing SaaS platforms out there now. So how do you see Fullstory fitting into that ecosystem? Fullstory has a very deliberate approach in in how we're working with complementary tech stack. We know there's a wealth of information typically sitting in silos, whether it's, you know, coming back to CSTAT or experimentation, all the way through to just product analytics and defining cohorts. By having um, customer experience analytics platforms, you're able to bridge all of those touch points and feed that in, as I said, to answer why. So, you know, a core offering of ours is session replay, click maps. You're able to finally see the full story, of course, the name, um, and, and bring it full circle to really drive not only prioritization, but clarity across the business. Um, and so when full story, think about integrations, we want to look at that ecosystem map, find the, the top leaders in each of the basically spheres mm. and, and create integrations there. So customer support, for example, how we are working with those teams, which again is a huge part of customer experience and, and how brands speak to that. Um, we work with the top, you know, key players in customer support, whether it's Zendesk, uh, Intercom, Salesforce, and you're able in a crawl approach just to inject a session replay link into that customer support ticket. Yeah. Do you mind just explaining what a session replay link is to our Great. listeners? Session replay, it, Full Story's approach to it is actually in a really privacy conscious mm. um, way. So what we're doing is we're cap- we have a capture all methodology at the DOM level. So right. We're, we're capturing every every element, every scroll depth, any any pop up that comes up in interaction with chat. From there, we're um, collecting all of that, feeding that into full story, and we're actually recreating at the individual level any everyone's experience. Amazing. So yeah, so we're rendering all of those elements into exactly what that person saw, the page load time, the experience they had in your digital storefront or app. Yep. Um, so if you think about the power of that in relation to customer support, you're getting that one-to-one view in a really empathetic context. Did it take seven seconds for that thing to appear and what was the experience there? Exactly. And yeah. and someone's given us maybe a three out of five in CSTAT. Let's actually dive in and gain some context of why. Customer experience is is what we're here for and product-led growth is kind of the is kind of the you know the, the buzzword at the moment, but it really means just you know focusing on customer, focusing on product. Um, I think one of the things I'd be really interested to hear from you is you know, how do you connect revenue to that? Because at the end of the day, revenue is the thing that keeps businesses ticking, allows us to build all of these great products. How do you do that in a frictionless way? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. I think a big part of why customer experience analytics platforms have had the explosion that they've had. I, I think PMs, even product marketing, have done such a good job to date in 
in creating a path to to promote their um, activities and, you know, show success with their features that they've rolled out. Yep. But there is friction there. You're, you're absolutely right. There's a there's some give and take that needs to happen from a C-suite to actually lean in to say we're, we're dedicated to this and we want to create better products. Yeah. Um, so customer experience analytics platforms is filling that gap for PMs and product designers, really anyone across that customer experience ecosystem at a company. And what they're able to do is actually feed in revenue metrics just like you would with a custom variable right. or a data event in a CDP or a, a traditional analytics platform. Yep. But then c- combine that with all of the rich contextual data, that qualitative data piece that we're bringing in from Full Story. Again, you, you get that full piece, that full picture. Awesome. So. I mean, a great example was we were speaking to a CPO last week and he was speaking to that friction, that struggle he was having of showing his CEO, you know, we had this, we ran this experiment, the variation hit it out of the park. Um, We've had huge uplift in both ROI and and CSTAT, um, but his CEO didn't really understand what experimentation was. Right, So, right. So by having full story on the books, they could actually showcase in a true one-to-one way how a customer felt when they saw this new feature, this variation, and annotate some notes around, this is why we're going to push forward in this direction of changing our you know, registration flow to be more dynamic and more personalized because this is the impact it's having. Gotcha. Um, obviously, speaking also to that to that revenue side, showing the uplift um, on on the bottom line was, of course, what the CEO also <laughs> wanted to see. <laughs> I mean, customer experience has become pretty huge in the last few years, and it feels to me that taking over the notion of user experience and inter- interaction design, do you see that as well as customer experience kind of eating the world? Totally. Um, I really think customers' expectations are driving this. We're, we're at a stage where customers' baseline expectations, to be honest, are really at a surprise and delight 24-7 level. Yeah. <laughs> um, users want to be able to instantly understand how they can use an app the minute they mm. download it or seamlessly use a, a website the, the first visit. And if there's not a consistent approach to customer experience across all of these teams... And more importantly, these teams taking accountability for improving customer experience, mm-hmm. I think that's where you see a breakdown. But where the brands that are winning the hearts and minds of customers as opposed to racing to the bottom um, is really the ones that are breaking through and bringing new experiences, um, changing the game of how they speak to their customers are, are winning. So um, looking at Full Story specifically, um, you know, it's had an incredible growth story. Uh, and I know recently, you know, in Australia, it's been growing quite rapidly. I was really surprised before we got on air that, to hear that Full Story's team was actually quite small in Australia. I would, would love to hear more about sort of the growth ambitions for this market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Full Story headquarters is out of Atlanta. Our three founders are three ex-Googlers, Scott, Bruce, and Joel. Um, Full Story most recently has expanded and put a flag in the ground in EMEA, Um and then, yeah, and then from there, <laughs> it's typically the path that, that SaaS companies take, you know, whether they're start out of France, which we're seeing a lot, or Israel, um, or out of the US, they then kind of do the, the vice versa and then, then, then start their APAC strategy. Um, from there, Full Story um, is really all eyes on APAC. They're finding that 
not only other players in the customer experience space are also, you know, gearing to get down here. Right. The the maturity curves that are happening across the the client base of looking to these best of breed tech stacks. Yep. Um, is really at, at a inflection point here in APAC. And so we're building the team out, um, look to have 10 on the ground by the end of the year. Amazing. Um, supporting APAC as a wider region. Um, we think about that as around roughly like 9 to 15 countries, depending on who you're asking at, at full story, right. um, as, as key markets that we're developing micro strategies for to really go after. Yeah, great. Do you see there's a big difference between the APAC regions and the, you know, EU Asia regions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, APAC's a super diverse region. I mean, Mm. coming back to the maturity curve, we see a diverse range of um, stages in where people are at and how they're speaking to their data and asking their data questions. Coming back to building those micro strategies and um, you don't really need that in the US mm. um you know, it's west coast or east Why coast is that? oh okay <laughs> <laughs> it's they're normally structured around like clients are looking at these beasts in the category you know going back to the martech slide yeah they're, they're typically using like a qualtrics or a medallia um Clients here in Australia actually are even looking to small players, even even though they're out of EMEA, such as like a usabilla, um, gotcha. or, or again in the example with Upflowy. So I, Australians and and wider APAC love the underdog. They love using boutique tech. So I right. think really it's it's a big part of of the strategy here is to make sure that we're listening to our customers, building integrations they care about, and just putting our ear to the ground of when these inflection points are happening across that maturity curve. You know, you mentioned sort of some of the the differences in the APAC region and one of those being that, you know, we love to support the underdog. What are some of the things you're seeing around marketing innovation in the APAC region that could be exported overseas? And you're like, what's working really well here that translates across to the US or Europe? I think Australia forges ahead in sharing with the business and taking them on a journey. Uh, Aussies are inherently really good salespeople. Um, So I think the US and EMEA could really learn instead of having these siloed teams that work with just one tech and they're allowed to buy whatever tech they want. And Australians are having to do it on a budget, digital transformation on a a smaller budget. Um, They have less options from a tech perspective. So both customization and team enablement, um, are really core factors in getting clients where they need to be on that digital transformation journey. So uh, a bit of a, the buzzword of, of the time at the moment. Um, so we Accelerated by COVID. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so we really see, I, I think that could be a key learning for EMEA and, and the US um, to take from us. Even though it's it's not so much of a tech answer, yeah, um, sure, it's so important. Mm. No, look, and, and flipping it just quickly, you know, what what about what what should we in Australia take from sort of Silicon Valley companies? You know, what are they doing that we're not doing here? Yeah, I think it's running rigorous um, technology RFPs or however you want to say it. I think again, coming back to my note around, we have to think about this not so much as a checklist. We need these technologies. It's more about like. What are we missing at the at the big picture level to right. answer? What what questions don't we have answers to? And really, it, that being the driving force in choosing what technologies. I think Australians get really excited, particularly at the C-suite level, to say like, "Oh, we have an experimentation platform." Um, whether it's being used ten percent um, or, <laughs> yeah. or not, more to that point. Silicon Valley does a very good job in bringing partners in to enable teams. And I think Aussies want to get the price down 
as as dramatically as possible. Again, you know, I'm very empathetic. They pay USD for in in the Australian dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they don't. They're not willing to shell out to get that tool being used by everyone in the organization mm-hmm. and at you know 50, 60, 70 percent value right. that can be driven. So I think we have to do in Australia and, and wider APAC actually a better job of focusing on paying and outsourcing that enablement of the team. So sticker shock is scaring you away from actually getting the value out of the product you're buying. Yeah, it's really ironic because then is that even value if you're just paying for the tech and, yep. and not paying for the enablement? But mm. um, they, Aussies are really good at, you know, becoming insular and putting their head down and like getting stuff done. Yeah. Looking at Silicon Valley, they've done such a good job in building these robust models to onboard teams to use tech and in a really um, valuable way. Uh, I mean, going back to, you know, the Adobe suites and the Salesforce suites, yeah. so many clients and marketers and PMs got burnt um, just because they didn't wrap services around those tools mm, and, right. and they're beasts. Yeah. Um, they, they need it. It's <laughs> so difficult to use. Totally. That's really good insight. And I just want to touch back on when we were talking about, you know, surprise and delight for customers and the modern customer is pretty much expecting to be surprised and delighted. And, you know, if the... Thanks, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. You know, if, the, if it's not a beautiful experience, they're just going to back away. But do you have any examples of, you know, how Koala is surprising and delighting the customers? They're one of our um, clients been around for about two years now. And I would say at a broader picture, just outside of the digital storefront that they're offering, they're really thinking about how can we enhance the experience all the way from when someone's looking to buy and research a bed or a, or a couch, um, all the way through to actually um, how do they get people to post that experience and create that brand love? Right. And I think a lot of, you know, if you look at standard retail, it's very, very clunky websites. Yep. I'm looking at the dimensions of a couch. Um, <laughs> I'm then, you know, having to go in store to feel and touch the fabric mm. and then go from there. Whereas Koala's done a fantastic job of focusing on reviews, real um, customer experiences that they're pushing to the forefront. Mm. Um, and obviously, most importantly, from a full story perspective, they're improving the way that um, and illuminating ideas and hypotheses of ways to improve the the experience online. I love how they, is there offering like four hours anywhere in Australia you can get a bid? Yeah, it's epic. It's incredible. <laughs> when you think about Full Story uh, and companies like Full Story and the way that they uh, acquire customers, you know, whether it be bottom up or whether it be sort of top down channel led, you know, what do you think is, is kind of the best in breed strategy for Martech, Martech companies that are growing today in terms of acquiring their first customers? I'm a big, big channel uh, growth led mindset. Um, I'm, I'm all for finding ways you can scale, particularly as a lone wolf, as I started this region, um, it was absolutely necessary that I found partners that I could trust that spoke to complementary tech and that could get skilled up, um, pretty much on their own with with a little bit of handholding. Um, I, I think the key point there is that I found a subset of partners, um, because as any SaaS platform would know, it's hard enough scaling a global sales team to speak the same language and speak the same use cases um, in a consistent format, let alone get a partner to do it um, in channel. So I think it's really about having a deliberate approach of who you want to target, um, bring on as a trusted advisor and and be a bi-directional relationship with them. Call them all the time, multiple times a day, um, bring them on the journey 
give them all access to beta, sandboxes, all of that good stuff so that they can really buy into the category growing. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if you look at full stories now hitting an inflection point in this in this APAC market, so looking to double, if not triple, the amount of partners that, that we're speaking to. So it does work in these beautiful maturity cycles, right. um, just like MarTech um, yeah. stacks. But I do think um, being really conscious of choosing the right partner is is critical. And what's in the pipeline for Full Story? What's going on? Yeah, good question. What's not what going on? you can tell on? us. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I might approach that question more in terms of what teams are really bubbling up in Full Story more so than the roadmap. In terms of teams that are getting all the energy in our all hands, um, it's really comes down to product and product marketing. Now this explosion of this new category of customer experience analytics yep. is, is bubbling up. Um, we're really finding a need to differentiate Full Story in that ever-growing mix of, of players. Um, but most importantly, listening to our customers' feedback as a new category, we have to treat our current customers all as like beta users of yeah. this category, but how they're feeling and um, actually gaining value out of the tool. You know, the customer support um, and even engineering to some extent, they were kind of accidental use mm. cases we ran into outside of product and design and really have shone a light on a huge differentiator for Full Story in, in connecting those teams and creating common languages across product engineering, customer support, and giving them a customer-centric platform to, to trade on, basically. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's all down to, to product and product marketing. All We're all on their shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of leads really nicely into if you were going back and, and talking to a younger version of yourself or a new sort of person looking to, to break into the go-to-market space, what would be the key piece of advice you'd give them, uh, you know, in terms of being successful from day one or as close to day one as possible? The gift of hindsight. Wow. Um, <laughs> I definitely think from a go-to-market strategy, if we're just, you know, slicing that in terms of a sales role, I think, you know, this this role of sales development representative, you see them a ton over Salesforce, a ton yep. of these best-of-breed SaaS. It's a great way to start because right. you are learning the gift of prospecting, basically smelling accounts that are going to be a good market fit. Yeah, um, right. You, you're getting your nose in. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but outside of that, in just thinking about go-to-market um, strategies, I think, it's just always like asking as many questions as possible. Do you love that discovery phase? Do you love like passing feedback back to product teams and seeing that come full circle? Does that energize you? Um, because that's a lot of your job. <laughs> <laughs> if the answer is no, then maybe you should think about something else. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And obviously, I mean, you're going to learn a lot while you're on the job, but where else do you go to, to upskill yourself and, and learn more about what you do? Yeah, it's it's really a diverse set. To be honest, I'm I'm a big fan of watching what um, tech platforms are coming mm -hmm. up. So you know, big subscriber to the to the likes of Crunchbase and all, all these smaller um, startup programs that awesome. are really yeah showing you just what tech is coming along and what's grabbing people's attention. Um, on the flip side of that, obviously, all all podcasts and and blogs um, that I love to read just to stay up. Up to speed, more importantly, of what PMs care about. Um, so what, you know, what direction, whether it's registration flows or whether it's all the way through to um, what they care about in terms of team enablement and yeah. how they're thinking about um, running and buying tech um, sales processes, a, a really good um, point for me. 
So Full Story has a lot of love for product managers. And when you think about customer experience, you know, product managers have really come into their own and, and you know, they're really in, in the spotlight. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on, on sort of the journey for product managers at the moment. This um, evolution in what we're seeing with PMs relying on like a wider ecosystem to fuel ideas of what they're working on. Mm-hmm. So like back in the day, a PM would be sitting in a dark room with a UX designer in some cases, thinking of ways to improve just the features that make, you know, the user journey work better. But I think PMs have now actually really evolved into a core aspect of organizations and the organizations that don't are are probably not going to do too well in the next five years. Um, So I I just, a lot of love out there for for PMs, um, strategically thinking about building roadmaps in a a really long-term vision opposed to the next like Mm. three month cycles. And why I think customer experience analytics really supports that is because traditional analytics platforms have been built for really marketers to retrospectively analyze, you know, how their campaign went or how many people clicked on this button. Mm. Through customer experience category, we're having a capture all methodology, meaning that Anything that happens across that digital ecosystem for a brand is being fed in and being able to analyze. So it's a much better place to live and breathe as a PM to build hypotheses and actually, um, more importantly, test and validate ideas that are working. Well, Kate Murray, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been great having you. Kate Murray is the regional lead for APAC for Full Story. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jess. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for listening to the Net Positive Podcast brought to you by Upflowy.